Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. Lexi and I are very excited for this episode with plastic surgeon, Dr. David Rankin. Dr. Rankin is the leading authority on breast explant surgery and breast implant illness. He's been featured on the doctor's TV show and has done explant surgery on several Playboy playmates who were experiencing chronic health issues due to their breast implants. Lexi, you have actually shared with me that you've been contemplating getting breast implants, but that this interview may make you have second thoughts. We have so much to discuss, and Dr. Rankin has just had four back-to-back surgeries, and it's Friday afternoon, and he's taking time out of his crazy schedule to talk to us. So thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. It's uh, great talking to you guys. We are so excited. And like Nikki said, I especially post two babies now. I, I never had like a big bust by any means, like an A is stretching it. So A cup was stretching it, but especially postpartum, it's like I said to Nikki, I'm basically like a, you know, a 10 year old boy, essentially <laughs> with nipple, with larger nipples. So I, I feel like I can say this to you because this is what you deal with all day long. But um, anyway, so I'm like, we're just so intrigued by this, but I think where we should start is, is right kind of with you and how did you become, especially with explants, like an explant expert? And did you ever do breast implant uh, for augmentation? And do you still do them? Just getting a bit more around your background. Yeah. So I've been practicing plastic surgery now for 17 years and I started doing everything that most plastic surgeons do, taking ear call, trauma surgery, building up my cosmetic practice. And I did do breast augmentations um, quite a bit, actually, you know, five or six years ago, I was doing two, 300 a year. Um, and then I started to get some patients that wanted their implants out, were having health issues. I, like many of my colleagues at the time, was skeptical. Um, but the more I did, and the more patients felt better, um, I said, there might be something to this. And then I just started to focus my practice on it. And I've seen such positive outcomes in the patients that I treat um, that I stopped putting in implants altogether. And I just really focus on explanting right now. Wow. That is a testimonial. Wow. That you yes. went from 300 breast implant surgeries a year to doing zero and only taking them out now. That's correct. And now I do, um, routinely over 500 explants a year. Wow. wow. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to like think of the best way to ask, ask the question. So for someone, for example, like myself, who would, who would, you know, toy around the idea of potentially having, getting implants, but the reason why I wouldn't is, or I debate it heavily is because of exactly these types of situations and stories that you obviously are involved in, in doing the explants. What are the, so what are, I guess, what, what are the reasons behind women getting explants? Um, 
in the breast implant illness and, and those types of things? Well, you know, statistically, breast augmentation has been the number one cosmetic procedure for many, many years. Um, interestingly, this year was the first year that it wasn't number one. So um, women are starting to contemplate, you know, whether they're right for them. Um, there's many women with breast implants and there's many women that have no issues whatsoever. They love them. They've done a great job for them, but there's some that, that um, have negative consequences. And I think that part of the process when thinking about getting breast augmentation is just knowing your risks, benefits, alternatives, and possible complications. And I don't think that that's really been a, a big talking point with doctors in the past. I think most women were told they're lifetime devices. There's no problems. There's no complications when in, in reality, I think when you're making an important life decision like this, you need to understand your possible risks. And and, and then if, if that's acceptable to you and it's a risk you want to take, then, you know, everybody's got that opportunity to decide for themselves. I was doing a lot of research before this just because we were both so excited that we were having this conversation. And I literally just before this call found a stat saying that nearly 50% of those having cosmetic breast augmentation experience some form of complication like pain, hardening, infection, or the need for additional surgery. Does that sound like an accurate stat to you? I don't know the specific statistics, but I think that um, there's a lot of um, things that are problematic that don't get reported. So maybe the, the numbers in the literature may actually be higher in reality. Um, things like you said, like capsular contracture, hardening of the breast, pain. Um, these are things that a lot of women go on and live with and they don't really um, talk about it with their physician. But there's chances of reoperation, rupture, severe capsule contracture. I'm sure we'll get into some of this stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's dive right in. Like That's what we're all about here. Let's, so tell us, this breast in, what is essentially, in a nutshell, in your words, breast implant illness? Um, it's a series of symptoms that women are saying they're experiencing with their breast implants. It is not an official diagnosis yet by the American Medical Association or by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Um, there's acknowledgement that there may be an issue um, and um, they're looking into it further. There's some task forces studying this. There's doctors like myself and some of my other colleagues that explant quite regularly that are obtaining a lot of patient data we're doing a lot of surgery, a lot of explants that in the future, hopefully we can put this together and come up with some definitive um, terms, measurements, diagnosis, and whatnot. So what are the common, would you say the most common symptoms that you hear patients complaining of when they come to your office? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, if you look on the FDA website right now on breast implant illness, they will list about 10 common things like joint pain, brain fog, anxiety, hair loss, skin rashes are a really big one, uh, migraine headaches, regular headaches. Um, there's just a multitude of things. And I think that there's probably many more that we just haven't um, tied in completely at uh, BII or breast implant illness. So it sounds like it's almost like an autoimmune thing. Well, yes and no. Um, there's been no evidence-based clinical studies that have shown autoimmune. However, um, if you look at the fine print on some of the manufacturers' um, paperwork for their implants, there's some, some suggestion that it, it may have some correlation with some autoimmune issues. And I, 
certainly see a lot of women with thyroid issues, rheumatoid arthritis um, with breast implants. That's what I was going to ask because I, I have rheumatoid arthritis and I was, I've been in remission for, from it from, for a while. Thankfully, I haven't had many flare-ups, but I've heard the autoimmune link, which is one of the main reasons why I would, you know, would debate not getting breast implants because of what I've heard on the autoimmune link to that. Um, so that's really interesting is that you've seen actual, you know, inflammation and things like that as a link potentially to some of the women that have had breast implants that are coming to you for explants? You know, I have seen it. Um, I'll say it's anecdotal because it's, it's what I see, you know, and yeah. I, I do a lot of this. Um, I see a lot of improvement with my patients with decreased inflammatory markers, um, decreased um, autoimmune markers postoperatively. So, you know, if you put two and two together, you can, you can say it, there's probably correlated, but you know, I, I'm, I'm careful with what I put out there as a, as a, as a doctor and, you know, a scientist, um, you know, we, we have to be, be careful and make sure that there's data and evidence-based medicine before we make claims. So, you know, I can only say what I see with my patients. 100%. It just feels like there are some naysayers out there who kind of, would you not agree that people are saying, you know, oh, it's just in your head. Like, I feel like I've, I've seen that, that, you know, people, it's almost being dismissed to some extent with some people. Well, hundred percent. And, and particularly with some of my colleagues that maybe their practice is, you know, 90% breast augmentation, they really, they're almost in a little bit of denial, I think, and they don't want to believe it because it's, you know, affects them financially. But, you know, I see it on a day-to-day basis. And um, in my practice, I have about an 85% happiness rate with my patients postoperatively with, with them feeling better. Um, that can't be a placebo. Um, and really no woman who's happy with their breast implants looks great, wants to have them removed. So when you do and, and they feel great, that really says something. That's what I was going to ask, like of the women that come to you of those 500. So 85% of those are leaving, feeling much better and improved post op. Absolutely. Wow. Who is most at risk for breast implant illness? I was doing a little bit of reading on the different kinds of, of implants that you can get. Obviously, there's silicone and there's saline, which I presume you're doing mostly silicone removal. But please educate us a little bit more on, you know, if someone's listening to this already has maybe got breast implants, like, is there something that may make them more susceptible to getting this? My explant practice, I do about 60% silicone removal and 40% saline removal because the saline implants, they still have a silicone outer shell. Uh, so although they're filled with saline, there's still silicone put in the body. Um, there's really no rhyme or reason to whether it's a, a, a smooth implant, textured implant, silicone, saline, if you're going to get symptoms. Um, so we can't say that one implant has more of a propensity than another. Um, when you, we show the links to, you know, the very rare cancer, the leukemia, I'm sorry, the lymphoma, but um, that's more inclined to be with the textured implant, although we're seeing some with smooth, although they're both very rare. Textured implants were pulled off the market recently by um, Allergan, right? The Allergan implants were, it was a voluntary recall by the company, um, 
because of the connection with ALCL, which is anaplastic large cell lymphoma, which is seen in some women, which can be very serious. You know, it's, it's a type of cancer. Um, I, I've never seen one in my practice. You know, a lot of women really, you know, are, are nervous about it, which of course you hear the cancer or an implants and, you know, you want, you want to consider, you know, talking with your doctor, but uh, it is, it is very rare. Nikki, I mean, you're so well versed in implants. By the way, I got it. <laughs> well, I was doing. I was nerdy. Are you impressed, Doctor? I wanted to be like, prepared. <laughs> no, very good. Very good. <laughs> I got. I had to study for this. Come on, this is. Like I a test. love it. So <laughs> good. Okay, you know, I'm, this is all me doing a b- bunch of reading on. Oh, Google and before this conversation. Nikki is a nerd, so that, that this is why <laughs> this is her jam. Like, just give her. It's like give her something; she'll go down the rabbit hole with it. Well, I mean, I, I like the the evidence is is really important. My jam is is women's health, pelvic health. I help women dealing with incontinence, prolapse, you know, through fitness and diastasis recti, which that's another whole plastic surgeon conversation. But we got to stay on, we got to stay in our in our conversation zone today. There's we've got a lot to cover. Um, so, okay, is there hypothetically any way of preventing, you know? <laughs> seepage of silicone shell into the body, which can cause the immune reaction? Like, is there any way you can prevent dealing with potential complications? Um, the short answer is no. Um, and we really don't know what is causing BII. There's theory that it's silicone seeping into the, the bloodstream. Um, there's a theory that the encapsulation of the implant, which is the body's response to a foreign body, you know, you put a foreign body inside you, your body says, I don't like this thing. I'm going to shell it off and form a capsule that maybe that has um, ability to not only fight the implant, but fight the body as well and cause some of the um, immune reactions. So we really don't know. Um, and we don't know who's going to get BII and who's going to be fine. There's no blood test. There's no CAT scan or anything. You can say, oh, you know, you're a candidate or you're not a candidate. So that would be very helpful in the future for someone considering breast implants to take a test and say, no, you're allergic or you're fine or you know, right. you know, make things easier. So you will only know once it's in, like once you're, there's no way of telling preemptively whether no. you would react negatively to it. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise I'm sure everybody would get that test and you know, that would be a determining yes. factor. We need more studies, more research. And it's amazing that you're actually tracking your, your patient's well-being after the fact, because that's, you're doing a little like study on your own. I mean, that's not even little 500 explants is like a good, good study. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's just, just in the last year. So, um, we, our numbers are really good. Um, so hopefully in the future, we'll be able to uh, dig through the statistics on our data and, and come up with some conclusions. Do you remember the first patient you ever did explant surgery on? Um, and not, maybe not the first, but the first maybe couple patients because, uh, and I remember because I, I wasn't even on board with, um, thinking it was going to help them. So, but you know, if a woman wants her implants out, of course it's her, it's her rights. So, you know, so I did it and did some more, did some more and Hey, I feel better. I'm feeling so much better. And, and then that's where I really dove into it. Yeah. What was the turning point for you? Because to go now and, and not, and say like, I don't do implants anymore and you are, you know, and, and you do explants is quite a strong statement. And, and I'm sure you have many colleagues that maybe do both. 
right? Like other physicians that would do right. other doctors, well, right? And, you know, I was doing so many explants. My patients are getting better. I think it would be hypocritical of me to put in implants um, only to possibly take them out down the road. And I just, I just thought it was the right thing to do. What's the psychological impact for your patients who choose to undergo the explant surgery? Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? From a medical standpoint, it's profound. If it turns their health around and they feel better, um, then they're just on cloud nine. Now the aesthetic side, it has to balance too, because some patients you can get a really nice aesthetic result. Other patients, it's more difficult. Um, so you have to come to terms with, with the aesthetic side and you may not look, you're going to be smaller. Um, you may not look as, as nice as you did before when you look in the mirror. Um, but um, that's again, one of the reasons I've tried to dedicate my practice to this is to try and get the best aesthetics while doing a proper implant and explant at the same time. And how do you prepare? Cause with implants, you could go and there's, you know, a lot of technology behind seeing what you then would look like after the fact. Right. So how do you yeah. prepare your patients for the explant, like post explant? Uh, consultation first, and um, then we can talk about expectations and I can give them a rough idea of, how I feel their aesthetics are going to be based on the more breast tissue you have, you know, the, the better results, the smaller, the implant, the better results. Um, if your breasts are dropped, it's, you know, we have to do a lift, you're going to have scars. So these are things that I discussed beforehand and then showing some before and after pictures is helpful too. sometimes to say, this is what I think your outcome might be, but you know, everybody's just so individual and, and you never know until you really get into surgery what, what you're going to um, come up with with your final result. When was Brett, I'm just thinking of like trends, like I'm picturing a graph in my, in my mind. When like breast implants were super popular, like how many years ago was it like, did it reach a peak in the 90s and now everyone, you know, 20 years later is having them out? Like, is there a trend that you can speak to? Because you mentioned earlier in this call that this is the first year that breast augmentation surgery wasn't the number one plastic procedure. So do you think things are shifting? Um, I do. I think it, there's a number of reasons for that. I think that um, the, our society is a little bit more health conscious now. And, you know, women are not as into the Pamela Anderson, Carmen Electra, you know, as the ideal role model when they were in the past. Now it's a little bit more athletic more toned. Um, you know, if you look geographically at implant sizes, the Northeast, the average implant is much smaller than where I'm from in Florida, South Florida. Mm -hmm. So um, there's demographic shifts, there's cultural shifts. Um, but I think right now, uh, along with education that, you know, the implants aren't totally safe and for everybody, and you, you have to think twice before you put something in your body. Definitely. I'm looking at Lexi's face. <laughs> I just, you know what I was thinking, Nikki? I was like, I just wish there was a safe way. <laughs> like, couldn't there just be something that was really safe and natural? And because that's the part I also don't like. I, and I get, I, I do understand your body is now got a foreign 
substance in it. And a lot of bodies are like, no, 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 this isn't natural and normal to me. And it's kind of freaking out. And this is my own like terminology, obviously, and is reacting in different ways and flare ups and rashes and all the things that you just mentioned. So, and that's the part that really I don't like, because I'm quite a like hippie in my approach to like, I'm a healthy and I, you know, I, I do all the like superfood. You tell me it's good for me. I'll take it. I don't even care what it tastes like. So that part, I just want something like, just give me a solution. That's really not foreign and my body's going to love and I will do it. Well, there's, <laughs> there's some, some boobs. there's some solutions for patients that don't want to put something in their body, but for someone like you, who's very health conscious, um, I was going to mention fat grafting. Um, oh. you have to have, you have to have enough fat for it. That's yeah. the so. Like my cellulite <laughs> could be my cellulite <laughs> could go into. <laughs> Nikki, well, I have cellulite. I swear. I swear. I mean, okay, okay, it's okay. a possibility to take take some fat from some somewhere in your body through liposuction, and then we inject it in the breast. And you can usually get a cup size bigger with that technique. So that's that's all I want. I just want to be. You'd have to so fly down to Florida now. I'm, although I'm probably like a negative A if that's a thing. So I, I guess I'd be like a. <laughs> And an A, <laughs> but um, that's interesting. And you do those surgeries? Yes, yes. So it's an alternative. Um, it's more, I don't want to say new, but it's not super popular as of yet because um, it does have some nuances too and some potential complications as well, um, but not the ones that we, we see with um, breast implant on us. I wonder if that's going to become more like, are you seeing it become more common because women are more afraid of implants? Yeah. Patients are asking for it more. I, I do it um, honestly more post explant when the, my patient, mm-hmm. you know, is missing that volume. And then six months later we can go and give a little bit more volume. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. And I should say patients because obviously implants are not just for women. Um, yeah. The, uh, and then what I was just going to ask, um, so, okay. And, and so I guess another question for you, and I, I guess I know the answer, but your, when someone, I guess they're not really coming to you, but just say having a conversation at a dinner party with someone like myself asking about implants, what would your guidance be to them? Um, being someone who now focuses solely on explant. Um, you know, again, it would just be just to understand your risks and, um, you know, make an informed decision based on your health history, based on your risk tolerance. I'm certainly not a doctor that says every woman with them with breast implants needs to have them removed, um, because some women do great with them and they love them and they're good devices for them. But, um, you know, you deserve to be informed of potential complications, complications that may happen. And then you make your own decision. Yeah. (laughs) Her eyes are just like lighting up. She's like, there's a solution for me. No, it's true. It's true. This is a big one. Okay. So you were featured. Can I ask you a little bit about how you came to be featured on the doctor's TV show? And you did the Playboy Playmates. Can we talk about that before? Yeah, we we do need to talk about that. I'm just really curious. Sure. So um, I operated on a patient that um, was in Playboy and she was asked to go on the show and, you know, I came along as her physician. So that's, that's how it happened. And just so happens that, um, some of her other, um, friends, playmates were explanting as well. And, uh, and I was their doctor as well. 
That's huge. I can imagine that would be a big, even bigger, psycho, potentially psychological shift. I mean, I've watched some of these interviews of the shows and, and there's a lot of emotion. Like you, I feel like you're probably part psychologist at your clinic, like in your practice. Am I, am I kind of well, right there? Well, a little bit? It's, it's tough. Um, you know, these women are, they've been to doctor to doctor and have a lot of health issues. Nobody can diagnose them. They get to the point where they're put on antidepressants and doctors saying, you know, it's in your head and you're crazy. And, and so this is for a lot of these women, it's their last resort. And um, so it is emotional and yeah. it's emotional to have your body change and in, in a negative direction um, to try and regain your health. Unfortunately, for, for most many of my patients, they have positive health re- results from this. So then it becomes worth it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're helping so many people. You must hear that often. Like, thank you, doc. You've given me my life back. Like I can just, I would love to be a fly on the wall and watch, you know, like just that, that positive emotion of, of finally these women, people, cause we know that, you know, people get implants, but they, the feeling of finally being validated and understood and like taken seriously. Yeah. My patients are amazing. I have the best patients. Um, and I get that all the time. And, and as a, as a doctor, as a human being, I, I, I love it. Um, I have a good fun, um, social media site where a lot of patients post and they just post about their experiences and, um, you know, it's just, it's just real. It's just women talking. And, and, um, so I really enjoy that too. I'm seeing so much. And I, I don't know if it's because of this conversation that we're having, but, even, you know, weeks prior to this, like, I just feel like I'm seeing more and more and you're hearing more and more about implant, like issues associated potentially with implants, a lot of explant discussions and things like that. So it's really, I mean, it's great that you have this space and, and in your social media and being able to share it. And do you get a lot of, um, like comments on and backlash as well? Like, does that come with it from, people who feel very differently about, about this? Cause it is a bit of a controversial, it seems like subject of the explants and breast implant um, illnesses and things like that. So is your social media, does it, do you get, do you see some of that? You know, I'd say it's probably 98% positive. Um, Amazing. You know, my social media, most of what I post is, is my patient stories. Yeah. So, um, and it's, there's a lot of support from other women. It's, it's become really a community. I have a lot of patients that fly in and a lot of them stay at the same hotel and they become friends and they know each other from online. So it's like this, this community of support that women have not had in the past and they've had nowhere to turn. So I, I think it's, I think it's become a really important platform for women to, you know, feel validated, like you said, and to know that they're not alone and to know that there's, there's an availability of, of help and hope. You're amazing. I wish I could like give you a big hug on this Friday and, and buy your drink <laughs> and then talk more about this whole taking um, fat from my ass and putting it in my boobs. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> Is there anything else you really want to say to, you know, anyone listening to this, whether they're in a Lexi scenario where, you know, they're contemplating it to someone who is, you know, maybe it's clicking for them to think, oh, I, I had this procedure, this surgery done, and maybe that's what's, ex- you know, explains, you know, my symptoms. So what, what is it that you would tell someone listening to this? 
Well, I think that there's a lot of women walking around with implants that have health issues that have never even had the thought in their head that it might be due to their implants. And I think that presenting breast implant illness um, into a differential diagnosis of, of what, what, what may be is important because women can see the position and maybe get help with something they didn't even know they had. Yeah. So Amen to that. It's Amen really that. like, uh, yeah, it's so important because I can't imagine in the chronic, um, just really not feeling like you're yourself for so long and not knowing why. And then finally like come, and that's why it's amazing what you do because then finally coming to you, getting them removed and then starting to substantially feel better. And that doctor's interview um, with the Playboy Playmate you mentioned, um, and she said, I think she was like 70% better, like right after she had her breast implants removed, she felt significantly like had her sight back, her vision back and and all of those things. So it's um, that's amazing. And, and I think it's really important that uh, people hear that and know that there's something else maybe that they should be looking into like their implants, if that's something that they're feeling on a regular basis. Absolutely. Yep. It's not all in their head, which I yeah. think we need to hear. Yeah. Well, thank uh, well, you. Thank you. <laughs> We're just very grateful for your time. And if there's anything else you want to share with us, we'll put it in the show notes. Even if you have any additional resources you think may potentially be helpful for people, um, even tests that you think they may want to draw up, blood work, anything like that. Um, you know, if you have anything like that, we'll put that in the show notes. Okay. That sounds great. Thanks so much. And then everyone can, uh, your social is is great. So everyone can check out in our show notes where you can find uh, Dr. Rankin on Instagram, Facebook, all of that. And then of course, you are um, aquaplasticsurgery.com. Um, so explant specialist here. So if you're into getting your implants removed, I feel like you are the go-to. I mean, I don't know who else you'd go to for this 500 a year, I, I say you're in good hands with you. So yes. um, be sure to check that out as well. And thanks again for your time uh, today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's great talking to you both. Okay. Wow. Nikki? Yeah, we decided we needed to do a debrief. So we, Dr. Rankin had to go. He did four surgeries today. Three of them were explants. And then he did a tummy tuck. Not a big deal. So, so he just like did it all day. And then he hopped on to talk to us. So yeah, what a nice human being he is. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. And he's booked, so he's he's booked 19 months out, which is yeah. unbelievable. And I guess like just shows how many people are wanting yeah. this done. Um, but yeah, he is really he's like such a genuine nice guy. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm he like moved into this explant field clearly because he wants to help women who are suffering from the, you know, some of the yeah. negative symptoms 100%. and things that come with implants. And he, we, we were talking a bit more after we stopped recording with him, but he mentioned being hypothyroid. Mm -hmm. So what he, and I just thought this was interesting information that I wanted to have captured on here, that a common thing would be Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune based thyroid issue. He said that like something like 90% of the patients who come in with breast implant illness have problems with their thyroid. And often they'll become really hyper, like, a, which means you've got a very high, like overactive thyroid. And then they swing all the way to become hyper bow, which is underactive, which is when you would then be put on Synthroid or whatever. Right. So I just think that that's interesting because 
you know, that's something where so often you go to your physician and, you know, you're like, I've got these issues. And they're like, oh yeah, it's just part of getting older and you get put on meds and you don't ever really address the root issue potentially. Right. Totally. And to link that to, oh, my implants would be a hard connection to make because a lot of people have thyroid, thyroid issues like who don't have implants. Um, and then I also couldn't believe the cycle, like kind of the life cycle of implants repeating itself. Cause he mentioned that, um, the silicone implants went off the market for a period of time and then have, they fixed them quote unquote, and now they're back on. And then now it's kind of history repeating itself. So yeah, like you couldn't, you couldn't get silicone implants until 2006. That's when they, so they were taken off the market completely because they weren't considered safe. So there was only saline. And then he, and I just, he mentioned that now as of 2006, you can get silicone again, but now all these issues are popping up again. But he did mention that you can get this with saline or silicone. It's just that because the if you're going to get a silicone breast implant, there's still a silicone sort of casing around, around the saline, right? right? So regardless of what kind you get, you can still be at risk for a breast implant illness. Oh, it's all, it's all a lot. And personally, and because, and we talked about this before, Nikki, and I think it's important to say a lot of people who get breast implants, it is like it's it's down to uh, really, you know, the importance of feeling good and feeling comfortable and confident in your own skin. And that's like, I'm all for that. Like that's my, with me, it's like, would I love to have some nice boobs? Yes. I would love it. <laughs> me too, sister. Me too. Like I love it. I love my pregnancy boobs. I, w- I just wanted to mold them and then bring that <laughs> to... right? Like just bring them in and be like, I just want these. But for me, it's not like I I don't, it's not a daily thing that I'm like missing that I don't have boobs and it's not like impacting my day to day. And if it was, I would, I I think I would be like really weighing pros and cons here. Um, But based off this, like I, I'm a, I'm a no, I'm a no go now. (laughs) It's, it's hard. It is hard. But yeah, it's it's interesting what he said, everything that he said. And and I think that there's nothing wrong with wanting to change something about your body that, you know, if you can't change it with exercise or diet, like I just, I don't want anyone here listening to think that we're bashing the idea of getting any type of plastic surgery. No. Like at all. Like have at it. Hey, maybe I'll get a facelift in 20 years. Like sign me up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's, it's just this idea that women are feeling they're suffering and they're not being validated and they're being told it's in your head. And he mentioned that validation piece, right? When, you know, you're, you're feeling desperate and and we've watched the interviews on, you know, the doctor's TV show, like the women are so emotional. I'm getting shivers as I say this, because, you know, they're not being taken seriously. And that's, I think, an indication of women's health in general. Exactly. Exactly. It goes, it goes both ways. It's like yeah. the women who want implants for certain reasons, but it's the explant as well. And that validation that's needed. And it is such polarizing opinions online that I can only imagine someone being in the position of having implants and, and feeling consistently not well mm-hmm. and then reading that it's not a real thing and breast implant illness is completely not true or factual that that would be really um depleting while you search for feeling good again yeah well he things are shifting he said so i, I mean i'd be curious to know like 
I didn't. I wish we had asked what was the number. He said it's no longer boob jobs are no longer the number one. Oh yeah, we need surgery. to know what is. Like, what is the number tucks, one? Which we yeah. we said we already said to him. We're like we're getting you on in season four. <laughs> we need to talk tummy tucks. Tummy tucks. Yeah. So, anyways, amazing chat and um, yeah, always a good time with you, Nikki. <laughs> always, girl. Happy happy weekend. Happy weekend. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.